But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you. And I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. One time, uh, a dear gentleman walked up to me and was sharing his challenges. And this person has been coming to church. And at that time, I just started sharing on victory by the Spirit. And um, in sharing that message, I, I talked about praying and fasting when there's a challenge. So this guy comes and starts um, narrating his challenge. And I said, but I've, I've been teaching on something. Have you done it? He said, no. I said, I said, sit in front of you. You are mocking me. Another brother, you said you want to see changes in your life. I come for 21 days fasting and prayer. You did not join. What kind of changes do you want to see in your life? You're not serious. Such people, I refuse to see them. Because you are not serious. You come and see me. Okay, what are you going to do? Not serious. And when they start talking now, just be listening to them. Because you don't want a change, you want magic. So if you're, if you're a man here, you've, been, you've, been, you've come to see me, <laughs> Pastor, everything is not going well in my life. And we come for a meeting like this, and you don't show up, I mean, you're laughing at us. Because you know that after service, you will see Pastor specially. <laughs> everything you need, everything you want is in the Word of God. All right, Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. All right, so I trust that I'll send Timothy unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. Okay, then he says, For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own. And I told you, I said, it's striking that he has to say this thing about ministers. So if the bar is that um, depleted at the level of, you know, it coming to ministers, that ministers see their own, so not the things that are Jesus Christ, then I think we have a very big problem. Or the apostle is talking about a very big challenge. There's a very big problem there because he said, for all see their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. And I talked about some of these things sometimes. You even find them with um, pastors. And you find something, a lot of Christians, a lot of churches, that this, the, the seeking their own is a very normal thing that you find. All right? Do you know that there's nowhere in the Bible, the Bible said, you know, last, last week when I said the one about the, the devil did not come to steal, kill, and destroy, but then, I, I love the knowledge of God. Because the scripture is clear. You cannot, you, cannot, you cannot read meanings into it. In theology, they call something an exegesis. They call one an insegesis. An exegesis is when the scripture is explaining itself. Insegesis, you want to let the scripture say what you want to say. Like I told you, the lady who said, what shows that Adam was there? And I said, the scripture just said, he gave to the man who was with her. He said, no. No, maybe he was another side of the garden. I said, oh, the scripture is clear. Okay, 
So I'm going to say another thing today. There's no way in the Bible that says put God first. There's no way in the Bible where the Bible says we should put God first. <laughs> it's an error to put God first. <laughs> I like the responses. Okay. A man of God said something one day. He said, my wife is the most important person in my life. And he's a, he's a prophet. He said, my wife is the most important person in my life. And people were like, God should be the most important person in your life. I dare say, if I brought that up to many Christians to judge, the devil will say, this man of God is almost backslidden. That his wife has taken the place of God in his life. He said, my wife is the most important person in my life. I agree. He's correct. How? 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 I said there's no scripture where you say put God first. I know the scripture you want to put. But the Bible says, seek him first. The kingdom. He says, seek him first. The kingdom. God is not the kingdom. And I want to be Matthew 6, 33. Oh, you cannot read. How is God the kingdom? God is not the kingdom. <laughs> but seek ye first the kingdom of God. All right? Maybe we should go to, maybe let's start from verse 30. So you understand the context. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Verse 32. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that he hath need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. So he's referring to things. He's not referring to God. He's not even comparing men. Now let me say this. For you to understand what I'm trying to say, so I don't think, uh, Pastor, how can you say that we shouldn't put God first? I'll get, I'll get a point across to you very well. You don't count God when you are making a list. How did God get into your list? So what? He's number one. Who is number two? Does the person qualify to be in that classification? Like sometimes people say, I went to a certain church. Everybody who came forward was, was, was thanking the man of God. They didn't even thank God. You don't thank God when you are thanking men. So we have special worship for God. We have special segment of worship dedicated to God. So what? You want to start thanking men, then you start with God. I want to thank God so much. Then I want to thank... Oh! You don't thank God when you are thanking men. So God or Christ is not the most important person in your life. Christ is your life. So put God first. It's not in the Bible, but I'll show you the one that's in the Bible. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 3, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Verse 4, when Christ, who is our life? Christ is not the most important person in our life. Christ is our life. So you want to classify and say, God, my mother, my father. No, 
That would be wrong. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear. So Christ is our life. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. He said, the life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So you now begin to live a life where Christ is your life. Now, sometimes I get these questions like, um, how do I, you know, balance my Christianity and um, maybe going to school? That's like asking, how do I balance being a human being? No, no, I want you to get it. I want, it's, you are not into a religion. Because so when, you, when, you, when you classify it into religion, that's like, I have a life and I go to church. I'm a Christian 24-7. I'm not a Christian on Sunday mornings. I'm a Christian 24-7. Christ is my life. I am, not, I am not trying to balance my Christianity and my academics. I'm not balancing my Christianity and my job. I am a Christian who goes to work. Because some people are still trying to balance their Christianity and their job. They are balancing their Christianity and their school. I'm a Christian who goes to school. It will change everything. When you come, come to understand, because, no, you don't ask, how do I balance being a human being and having a girlfriend? How do I balance the, being a human being and having a girlfriend? You see, you are, you, are, you are having a girlfriend from being a human being. Come on. You get it? So nobody's asking that question. How do I balance being a human being? <laughs> you get it? How do I balance being a human being and living in my street? You want to be a cat before? So everything we do should stem from our knowledge and our understanding, all right, of who we are and where we are. Your knowledge of who you are. Christ is my life. That means I don't live a life of my own. I live the life that Christ made available to me. That's the life I live. I live by the faith of the Son of God. I live a life of Christ. I'm a Christian. It's, I'm not into a religion. If it's a religion, it's like I'm into it. You know, it's my life now. Because Jesus is my life. And if Jesus is my life, all right, if Jesus is my life, then I'm not trying to balance him. I'm doing everything from that perspective. I'm doing everything from there. I'm a Christian. That's why people ask a question like, uh, is it wrong to cheat in your job? Is it wrong to cheat? You know, Pastor, there was a, there was a deal, you know, you know uh, and I had to do this. And in, 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 in the office, I, I did this. And Pastor, I know I did the wrong thing. How do I? How do I? No, you're a Christian, first of all. Well, you understand, I'm a Christian, first of all. And I am working in an office. So Jesus Christ said, let your light so shine. So I get into the office, and I'm not on holiday as a Christian. It's, it's, it's another place to express my Christianity. So I'm a Christian, all right? I'm not balancing, I'm not trying to balance prayer and my studies. Christians pray before they study. Oh, you don't really need prayer before you study, just study the book. No, Christians pray before they study. Anything that you don't need God to do, God will come after it. Come after it. We are sustained. The Bible talks about we have the mind of Christ. So, for example, you're into, you, you know, um, maybe your academics, right? And, and you, you sort of maybe having a challenge with your academics. I remember a guy who, who came to my house. 
uh, my office one time. He came with his younger brother. So, so I, I was sharing with the younger brother, all right? And, and, and the younger brother has been having challenges with school, does not remember anything. And I just knew what I should do. I just knew what I should do. That if he meditates on scripture, he'll be wiser. Look, I don't know one person who knows scripture. Because, you see, it is that the thing of trying to balance your Christianity and stuff. That's the problem. Because I don't know one person who is uh, uh, very knowledgeable in scripture or is a, is, or is a scripture person. I don't know one who is scripture who is not wise. I don't know one. Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. He said, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. He's talking to uh, Timothy. He said, from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise. The scriptures have the ability to make a man wise. I said, I don't know one person who know, you know. So I am not studying the scripture to know it. It's my life. It becomes my life. It's part of my intelligence to know scripture. Most of my thesis in university, my supervisors were always in awe. They were wondering how I, I, I do it. Most of my thesis. You know why? Scripture. I'm not, gleaning the way, I'm not going to write what I read in scripture. Scripture has a way to make you wise. He said from, your, from a child, thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise. So for example, I'm in an office and I'm supposed to do something. All right? I am not, I'm, I'm not, I, uh, um, I don't have a separate, I'm doing my quiet time. All right? Then I finish with God for the day. Now let me face my work. No. Even in my workplace, I ask the Holy Spirit for direction. Come on. Praise the Holy Spirit. Um, how, how do you do this? How do I do that? How do I do this? And when I say things like this, some people think, oh, you're a pastor. So, no, 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 no. I worked. One time I stood in front of one, one, one client like that. Big client. We were on retainer for them. So we're sitting down, and the, th- the questions they're about to ask, they're going about to ask, I don't know anything about it. You know, because the, how I got into that business was, I knew a bit about it, and I saw that the contract has come, and I can get it. So they asked me, I said, I know how to do it. You know now, there are some people, they sell everything in this world. Oh, I was looking for Gary, I sell Gary. I was looking for phone. Oh, you don't know I sell phone. So you know, those are general merchants. <laughs> you see? So I said, I can do it. So I started reading immediately. I started to, uh, talking to people who know about it. I said, but that day, some questions were going to come that I didn't know anything about. Ten minutes before the, the, the interview, Holy Spirit says, go and read this thing. So I go on Google, read it. I was very, I didn't know much about it. But, and I was a bit like a desk girl because I was not so sure if they really asked me this thing because it looked off. So I started reading about it, 10 minutes. We got there. It's not even the owner of the company who was giving me trouble. It was another guy on the board, all right, who wanted his friend to get the contract, but I was called in by the owner so that they would compare me between him and, the, and myself and the friend. So then, these questions were coming. Hey, I had read it. I said, answering. I said, answering. The boss said, let's stop. He knows the job. I said, yes, I know the job. So I am not a Christian in the morning and a worker in the afternoon. I'm a Christian who is working. So, because that, the mentality of putting God first is what makes people read their Bible in the morning and fool in the afternoon. Lift your hand and thank God. 
Because you, you only put God first when you want to know something that is spiritual. Some people think something that is spiritual is something that's mystical. Then we don't know what happened. Then somebody vanished. Ah, that's a spiritual man. No, that's not how you know something that is spiritual. What is spiritual is what is scriptural. You see, you, you, so people don't, don't, don't rate those things as some things that are spiritual. Go ahead. Spiritual. It's like once you wear white and you're walking and you just, your leg doesn't really touch the floor, but you're just going, ah, this lady is very spiritual lady. I've told you before, I said, there are some people, they don't think we are anointed. Though. Why? Because we don't, there's a spiritual voice and we don't have that voice. A spiritual voice. <laughs> That until you pray and you put your right hand on your ear, <laughs> your prayer is not strong enough. That until you, you, you talk and add uh, at the back of what you are saying, like God shall do it. <laughs> until you add that, you are not spiritual. Until you put H between S and P and, and, and pronounce spirit as spirit, you are not anointed. That the Spirit of God said to me. <laughs> I said one day, I, I, I remember so well, the first time I heard the, the Eddie pray, I'm like, wow. <laughs> These tongues can destroy strongholds. Man. But that's how he prays. Maybe that's how the Holy Spirit deals with him. That the fact that I'm not doing it doesn't mean I'm not spiritual. Maybe my tongue says, He will be praying. You're <laughs> You see, I don't need to do that to be spiritual. I said, if you want to know something that is spiritual, you look for something that is scriptural. It is scripture. That, so, do you know that? Do you know that after service, when you come forward to give your time, you know it's a spiritual, you are a spiritual person. Because God said so, scripture said so, and you are following that. You are a spiritual person because you are thinking that your person is spiritual because he's doing some mystical things. <laughs> I told you before, I said, any prophecy, eh? That's going to be given. That has to, you know, be dramatic. Hey, 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 Drama, 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 drama. Such people will do very well in Cantata. No, because that's what people think is spiritual. They don't believe us. Who come and say, thus hear the Spirit of God? For the Spirit says that you shall move forward and you shall make progress. Simple prophecy. And you know I just prophesied. Yeah. And your eyes shall see your desire. That's it. You see, I didn't have to. But some people don't believe this one. They, and sometimes I know how to do it for them. When you want to help their faith, they come and see you after service. Pastor, a lot has been going wrong in my life. Pastor, if only you can pray for me. <laughs> then now they believe us when we do things like that. Give me oil now. Give me oil. Give me oil. So we will just lay hands. No. Give me oil. Give me oil. I don't have a problem with it. I'm not saying that's not spiritual. But don't tell me that I'm not spiritual. Some have elephant horn. Because the Bible said, my horn shall thou exalt. Like the horn of a unicorn. And they'll be pouring it. Ancient oils. No problem. But me too, when I am coming forward to give my tithes, it is spiritual. When I wake up on Sunday to come to church and I'm dressing, I'm a spiritual person. 
some sisters are blinded. Because they say, I want to marry a God-fearing man. Like somebody said, do you want someone who fears God or someone God fears? <laughs> See? I want a spiritual person. And because they don't understand the Bible, they don't understand the word of God, they, they, their criteria for a spiritual guy is wrong. They think a spiritual guy is a guy who is speaking in tongues in the 90 degrees acts. <laughs> that when he came to church, when they see the guy, heal him all. Heal. So, ah, this guy. And he's groaning. He's groaning. He has faced the wall. <gasps> Whoa. Whoa. This guy cannot hit a fly. When it's time for worship, all the praises belong to you, God. And he's waving his hand, showing you that he's not wearing a ring. All you deserve it. One time, one time in one of the services, there was a brother on this side. He wanted to marry one of the sisters here. So, and the, the, the sister said, you have to see my pastor. So the guy came. The guy wanted to convince me that he's a spiritual guy. So I don't know, that day I was hearing a lot of, yes, Papa, yes, Papa. said anything no when I came I said lift up your tongue yes papa I said ah. and the person was different small thing he would lift his hand oh she let him yes papa that day my preaching really went well because the slightest thing I said I, I, yes papa you know I know when I've said something deep. <laughs> but that day, everything was deep. Anything you say, you will hear. Yes, Papa! Go there, Papa! That's not what is spiritual. The guy wanted me to know that, you know, no, no, no. Ah, the guy sat in front of you. Small time, you know. They'll be walking around when it was time to pray. Yes, Papa. Anyway, I see that brother. But he's not from Ghana, though. Anyway, I see that brother. I'll tell him, yes, Papa. <laughs> All right. So you want to know something that's spiritual? Scripture. All right? If he tells you that before he marries you, he has to test the car before he drives the car, he's not spiritual. doesn't matter how much he prays. He's not spiritual because he's not scriptural. So anytime he tells you that, you know, you know the world has changed. He is not spiritual. It's like people have become quiet at this point. It's like <laughs> you get it? You want to know someone who is spiritual, someone who is scriptural, who works according to scripture. If he tells you you have to test the car before you drive it, human beings are not car. You don't test human beings before you drive them. Why do you want to drive me? <laughs> For all seek their own, go back to verse 21. For all seek their own, not the things that are Jesus Christ. So I said, Christ is not the most important person in your life. He is your life. 
Everything should stem from that place of your knowledge of Christ, of your commitment to Christ. So that is your life. I don't have any other life. Aside Christian, I said the mentality of I put God first is what makes people misbehave in the afternoon. So they put God first in the morning, playing gospel in the afternoon, they misbehave. And when you when you ask them, say, Oh no, no, no. Me, I love God, oh. God is so important to me. Me, God is so important to me. In the morning, I read my Bible. But in the rest of the day, rubbish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the rest of the day, rubbish because I've given the morning to God. No. You don't give the morning to God and keep the rest. Everything belongs to God. So you live your life from that place of knowledge, all right? That place of the knowledge of God. You get it? All right. So let's step it up. So I talked about Romans chapter 10. He said, my heart desire and prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. For have, um, Romans chapter 10 verse 1. He said, brethren, my heart desire and prayer for, to, to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For they have a zeal, for verse 2, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. So at this time, Paul is, is carrying a desire in his heart, all right? And where did he get that desire? He got it from God, all right? He said, my heart desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. He said, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. So the guy gets into a concern. He gets into a concern. Go to Matthew chapter 16, start from verse 12. Now I'm, I'm, I'm picking up from where I stopped midweek, all right? So he said, then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the living of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Verse 13. When Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of God, am? Son of man, am. So who do men say I am? Jesus asked that question. Who do men say I am? Now, I, I, I would like to submit to you that Jesus never said anything that was not important. Every word in Scripture that Jesus said was important. There was a reason for that. Now, mind you, Jesus could have just asked, who do you say I am? And he would have just gotten an answer from Peter, and that would be all. There was a reason he asked, who do men say I am? This, the question was significant. The question was significant. Their answers were significant because they were not just guessing names. They were not just predicting. They gave the names for a reason. He said, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So what, do I, what are people saying about me? Who are they saying I am? Very important question. It was a significant question because he asked two questions. Usually when we are preaching, we talk about the second question, which is, who do you say I am? And we leave this one, making it look as though Jesus just asked just any kind of question. The question was not just a random question. It was an important question. He said, when Jesus came to, into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Verse 14. And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist. Some, Elias. Elias, that means Elijah. He said, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So you see four answers here. He said, some said you were John the Baptist. Some said you are Elijah. Some said you are Jeremiah. 
Some said, mm, perhaps one of the prophets. What does this mean? Now, I said, the people were not just guessing names. These people were mentioning names that were looking. Make sure you pay attention. They were looking like how Jesus was acting in those days. They could have just mentioned anybody. Some say you are Abel. Think about it. But they, they, they associate Jesus Christ with these names. These men of faith. These men in scripture. They associate Jesus Christ with these men. He says, some say that you are Elijah. Some, uh, John the Baptist, Elijah, uh, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So during midweek service, I began to bring out to you what this really meant. I said, who was John the Baptist? John the Baptist was a preacher. He was a preacher. He was the one who was preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So John the Baptist was a preacher. So he was one of the people that Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ was likened to. He was, because Jesus was a preacher. I call him the voice man. Because the Bible says he was the voice that was crying out in the wilderness. The voice that was crying out. Was, a voice that was crying out. Repent. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Isaiah spoke about him. But you know the amazing thing about John the Baptist and Elijah is that we can collapse those two personalities. Because Jesus talked about how John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. So John the Baptist and Elijah, you're actually referring to the same thing. So he, although he was, a, he was a voice man, he also like Elijah. Now who was Elijah? I'm going to show you something that Elijah did or Elijah said. So it will help us to understand it. First Kings chapter 19. I'll start reading from verse 7. Maybe that should be a, a good place to start. Elijah. So if Jesus was likened to Elijah, what, what was the characteristic that these men had that he was likened to Elijah? The people said, mm, this guy must be Elijah. Because they had read about all these guys, right? Now, if it was because Jesus was calling fire, we would have known that because he was calling fire. Jesus never called fire. Verse 7, And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. Verse 8, and he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat for, for 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. Verse 9. And he came thither unto a cave and lost there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him, What, thou, what doest thou here, Elijah? So the voice came to him, What doest thou, Elijah? So now, Elijah responds. Elijah responds with what has been going on in his heart. Elijah responds with what has been going on in his life. So he says in verse 10, he said, and he said, I have been very zealous. Give it to me in the Amplified. He said, I have been very zealous or impassioned. Let's see if we can get something from the message. Message translation. He said, I've been working my heart out for the God of the angel armies. I've been working, other versions say, I have been very jealous. Elijah carried a jealousy for God. These guys were carrying, were carrying a heart that was carrying God's burdens. So when Paul mentioned to Timothy that all seek their own, don't think that Jesus Christ, you're looking at people who are not impassioned, people who are not jealous for God. Who are not thinking about God, just caring about themselves. But something God cares about, they don't carry that passion. Well, I do. 
I carry passion for God. I carry a zeal for God. Now, when he came, he said, I've been very jealous. Now, many times we read the story of Elijah, how he called down fire. He was not just calling down fire. It was out of his jealousy for God. He prayed and there was no rain. Why? He wanted the people to know that Jehovah is God. So you can see, he was zealous for God. He was jealous for God. So I talked about there should be concerns in the life of every Christian. There should be concerning concerns. They are called burdens. They are called burdens. Concern. And I mentioned the first concern. I said there are seven concerns. The first concern is concern for the city. Concern for the city. So Elijah talks about, he said, I've been working my heart out for the God of angel armies and said, Elijah, the people of Israel have abandoned your covenant. So what is he expressing? Concern for the city. So I said, with Elijah, he said he was jealous. Elijah said he's jealous for God. He's jealous for the name of God in the place. He's jealous. He wants to see God. He wants to see God manifested in the place. He's jealous for God. He wants the city to call upon the name of the Lord. He's jealous for God. But there was something about Jeremiah. So you see, the power of Elijah is that Elijah prayed. Because he wanted to see it, he prayed. The Bible says Elijah prayed. He prayed. He prayed with such passion. Go back to Matthew chapter 6. 16, sorry. Then he talks about Jeremiah. Why was he likened to Jeremiah? Because Jeremiah was the prophet who was called the weeping prophet. He was called the weeping prophet. Jesus was someone who was always weeping. He wept over Jerusalem. I was saying Jesus wept. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He wept over Jerusalem. Listen, gentlemen, not crying is not a flex. Oh, me, I'm a real man. I'm a real, real man. I don't cry. Spiritual men cry. They cry. Because sometimes you see some things that are not going the direction of how God wants them. You are impassioned and tears begin to come out of your eyes. Results come from it a lot. When the Bible talks about, you know, Jacob, what did Jacob do? Jacob wrestled with an angel. Jacob wrestled with an angel. And naturally, we are thinking Jacob was really wrestling with an angel. If you, if you don't bless me, I'll not let you go. Do not bless me. Because the Bible actually said he wrestled with an angel. Let's look at it. Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Wrestled. So, G Genesis, Moses tells us the story and tells us that there was a wrestling going on. There was a wrestling going on. There's a wrestling going on. He was wrestling with the angel. You see the wrestling? He goes, lifts him, mm, boom, wrestling, boom, wrestling. He was wrestling with the angel, saying, no, you will not go, you will not go today. You will not go today. Wrestling with an angel. But you know what? How you're thinking about it is not how it happened. Because the prophet Hosea now filled in the gap and told us how that wrestling happened. He was not wrestling with God physically. You, you won't survive it. Something was going on. Something was going on. It was not natural wrestling. Something was going on in the spirit. That's what I'm saying. I said the guys, especially the guys, that you don't cry, it's not a flex. Jesus wept. Of course, not to cry about everything. Your wife insulted you in the morning. <laughs> That one, they will not agree. No. But there are things that make you cry. There are some things. I'll show you another one. It said, Jacob was left alone, and they wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. So we go to the book of Hosea to see what exactly happened. How did the wrestling happen? Hosea chapter 12, verse 3. 
Oh, talks about Jacob. He said, he took his brother by the heel in the womb and by his strength, he had power with God. Call on. Call on. That means he's going to show you how he had power with God. How he wrestled with God and prevailed. How did he do that? Verse 4. Yeah, he had power over the angel and prevailed. He wept. He wept. Okay. There are some things that happen in your life. You know that this one, I have to weep. Some, there are some trouble you will never come out of until you cry. Me, God, prayer, tears, easy. <laughs> Did you see the equation? Satakalebai. Oh! Especially if I'm in trouble and maybe I cause the trouble. Hmm. I cause the trouble. I'll come out of it. Why? I'll go to God. I'll not go to God. Oh, it's solved. It's not solved. <laughs> Last year, when we got into pro the issue with the government, in the beginning, we thought we knew people. Everybody we knew did not know. <laughs> Everybody we called could not do anything. Nobody could do anything. When I saw that, when I saw that, no, hey, nobody's able to help. When I realized that nobody could help, I went to a brie. I needed a place to cry well. <laughs> because if I cry and I cry, my neighbors will, yeah! Hey! I went there. I was there three days. Because I know the secret. I lie down on the bed. <laughs> Not all troubles are the same, oh. You look at your life, nothing to write home about. You've been going from prayer to prayer. Go and cry. Shut up, hey, hey. No, what I'm saying, I'm serious, oh. Me. God. Prayer. Tears. Easy. <laughs> you know, some of you, uh, you need to know this thing I'm saying. Hey. You are 35 years, nothing to write home about. You are still saying, no problem. Second Kings chapter 20, I'll read, I'll read verse 1 to 3. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, now this is not, thus saith the devil, God. You know, when you have a problem with the devil, you go to God. When you have a problem with God, you're finished. You are finished. When you have a problem with the devil, you will go to God. When you have a problem with, the, with God, you are finished. Hmm. And said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. The guy was sick. The prophet comes to the king and says, You know what? Put your house in order. God is very gracious. Say, so You are things. I don't want to just take you anyhow. I things. You are about to die. Verse 2. Then he turned his face to the wall. I love this story so much. I love this story so much because 2010, I got into serious debt. It was the scripture. You know why I love the story? Many of us have not really realized the miracle in this and how we should live our lives. Look at this. When Hezekiah got the message, look at verse 1. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and the prophet Isaiah... The son of the came to him. Now, look at this. Hezekiah is sick. 
The message came from Isaiah. Look at what most of us would have done. What most of us would have done is we would start begging the prophets. Oh, prophet. What have I done? Prophet. Oh, talk to God for me. Oh, talk to God. Hezekiah got the message from Isaiah. He allowed Isaiah to go and he faced the wall. You've been threatening your office. Maybe you are the one who was at fault. You are begging your boss. They will sack you. You don't beg your boss first. Your employment is about to be terminated. Face the wall first. Hezekiah did not answer Isaiah. Did not abuse him. Foolish prophet. You say I will die. Say, uh, Isaiah, is that so? Okay, sure. Thank you. Then he turned. He turned to the wall to talk to God. When I got into that debt, that was the last time I ever borrowed money. From that time till now, I've never borrowed money from any human being in the world. The debt was so huge. It was, the debt was more than my age. <laughs> Have you taken money like that before? <laughs> now this one in your age, the debt, like if they put your name and put that kind of debt, you're not supposed to be owing that kind of money. So Isaiah leaves a place. Hezekiah turns his face to the wall. All right, and prayed unto the Lord, saying, all right, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and I've done that which is good in the sight, in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept so. Uh, Hezekiah wept so. No one, if God qualifies the guy's weeping as wept so, hey, Give it to me in the message translation, verse 3. My heart's been true and steady. I've lived a life, I've lived to please you, lived for your approval. And then the tears flow. My heart's been true and steady. I've lived to please you, lived for your approval. <laughs> Anytime I ever got into trouble, I'll go and lie on the floor. Because no man can help me. I always tell people, I say I have two secrets. And two secrets. Hmm? I'll tell you one. I'll not tell Anytime I pray about something, I move, I want to move something, it doesn't move. I have last two bullets. If those two don't work, forget it. The two don't happen. I have two secrets. Two things. And I pray about something and I don't see it. I have last two to do. One is this. Lord, we think that Hezekiah just turned to the wall. Oh, Lord, I live to pray. The, 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 the sun cannot praise you. Oh, I know we've been saying those things. Oh, no man can praise you. Lord, I pray, I'll praise you. No, the guy was crying. No. <laughs> a king. You know what it takes for a king to cry? He wept sore. Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. A Christian must know how to cry. And when we talk about these tears, we're not talking about crocodile tears. Or we're not talking about tears that come from the flesh. They are tears from the flesh. Like, God, why me? God, why me? No, that's not what we are talking about. You are crying from the spirit. It's coming from your spirit. Hezekiah wept so. He looked at the situation and he knew that only God can help me right now. And he began to weep. Sometimes those tears, you don't even need to talk. You know what I mean? Hezekiah wept so now. The Bible has told us Hezekiah wept so. Okay, what if the tears did not matter? That's a good question. What if the tears did not matter? Maybe God heard the prayer. Go to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 38. In those days, was Hezekiah sick unto death? So, same story. 
And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, set thy house in order, thou shalt die and not live. So we're going to go to verse 4. I'll read verse 4 and 5. All right. Verse 4. Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah, saying, verse 5, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. I have heard thy prayer, I not just hear a prayer, I have seen your tears. Me, God, prayer, tears, easy. Easiest thing. I'll just lie on the floor right now to start coming out. So, Elijah is prayer. Jeremiah is crying. So then look at Jesus. He had these two things. He's praying, he's crying. He's praying, he's crying. He's praying, he's crying. Jesus tears like drops of blood. He's crying in Gethsemane. He's sweating, he's crying. He's sweating, he's crying. He's praying, he's crying. He gets to Jerusalem, he sees Jerusalem, he weeps over Jerusalem. He starts crying over Jerusalem. It's in tears. Concern for the city. Why? Go to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29, from verse 6. Jeremiah is a prophet. He, he was instead as a prophet around the time that they had gone into exile. All right? So, Jeremiah has even been arrested. And Jeremiah is prophesying to them what they should do when they get into the city that they are going to live in. Yeah, he's speaking to them. He's telling them, I mean, I thought Jeremiah is a prophet. He should prophesy that uh, they will not enter the city. That, oh, God will deliver you. No, he said, you are going there. But I'm going to give you guidelines into going there. So he said, take you wives. That means marry, marry. Then he says what? Beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons. Hey, this is where arranged marriage comes from. No surprise. I must marry the one I love. I don't love him, I cannot marry him. Give your daughters to husbands. Hey. <laughs> Woke culture can never do this one now. All right. <clears throat> Give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters, that ye may be increased there and not diminished. Wow. God said, the nation which you are going on, he said, if you don't marry and give birth, you will become smaller. Why? Because 70 years after they went into exile, God prophesied that they will come out. So he doesn't want that by the 70 years, all the people who left and went for exile, because those who are 40 years, by the time they are going to exile, will be how long? Well, how old now? 110. So all those who are 50, 40 at the time they're going to exile might not make it. Imagine, even the child who is born that year, by the time he's coming back, he's 70 years old. He's a whole grandfather. So he's telling them that, all right, I don't want you people to be diminished. So because I don't want you to be diminished, I want you to have ch children, or, all right, have ch children and be more. Because those times, economic power was lying with numbers. Because if I have more children, they can work more on my piece of land. We'll have more harvest. So those times, it's not machine. It's how many more children I can have. So economic powers of children. That's why in those days, when a woman was barren, it was a major issue. Why? It's not about just her giving birth. It's about the economic power that man should have. Because if that man does not have children, that means he has to go and buy slaves. What if he doesn't have the money? That means he'll be a poor man. So it was about economic power. That's why they were having a lot of children. So... Um, so God told them in Deuteronomy 28, he said that they will give birth, they will have children because it was part of the economic power. In fact, the blessing resting on them rested on all of them. Then there was special blessing that rested on their women because of childbirth. Then also rested on their cattle because the more children your goats and sheep can have, the more economic power you have. 
So that was the economic understanding of those times. So it says, give birth to more children, have more children so that you are not diminished. All right. And also, at age 20, all right, at age 20, all of them, um, the, the sons, could go for war. So the more sons they had, the more soldiers they will have. The only set of people who are not allowed to go for war during those times, because once you are 20 years, whether you are afraid or not, you will go. <laughs> whether you are, you will go at age 20. Do you know that in Israel today, 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 even women are trained to be in the military? Because they've been through a lot, and everybody's a, a fighter. Yeah, they don't have special army. Of course they do, but everybody's still in the army. Sure. Everybody's in the army. So, at a 20, everybody, the only person who is not allowed to go for war around that time, so I tell you the person, open your Bible. <laughs> You'll be shocked. Deuteronomy 24. Deuteronomy 24. <laughs> Verse 5. When a man had taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war. Where do you think the honeymoon came from? <laughs> No, where do you think honeymoon came from? You think the world invented honeymoon? No, God did. He said, when a man had taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war, neither shall he be charged with any business, but he shall be free at home one year. <laughs> For what? I'll tell you why. Why? For what? And shall cheer up his wife. Powerful, eh? <laughs> See, I'm coming to show you something. One of the versions. Because when King James is saying, and shall cheer up his wife, it's like, it's like, um, cheer up his wife, like just some normal thing. <laughs> New Living Translation. Those times, God said the honeymoon should be one year. Now, if you go for honeymoon for one year, I tell you, both of you are all broke. <laughs> He said, a newly married man must not be drafted into the army or be given any other official responsibilities. He must be free to spend one year at home, bringing happiness to the wife he has married. So one of the work of a husband is to be bringing happiness to the wife. The men are not happy with this thing at all. You should be bringing happiness, personal comedian, or just be making her happy. You, people don't know. Rather... Society has made it look as though the man should make the woman a slave. No, he said, you, you, think of jokes in the night because in the morning you must crack them. <laughs> you understand? If he doesn't laugh at your joke, you have to go and do your work better. Bringing happiness, dates, and vacations. Pastor, please, the world has changed. We are, we're, we're. One of the, I'm telling you, one of the work of a husband is to be bringing happiness to his wife. The African culture, making it look rather spiritual. They make it look like as though, you know, no, 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 no. God's own. I'm showing you how God is thinking. It should be making his wife happy. How? Just be making her happy. You wake up in the morning, you buy ice cream. Yes, Papa. <laughs> I'm sure the guy was here, you would have said, yes, Papa. Buy ice cream. It's not every day that you ask you, where's my food? Where's my food? Sometimes you to cook. 
Number time she wakes up, the food is already by the side. Why are you doing this? I want to make you happy. Ah, it, that, that would be nice. God will bless you for it. But not everyone. I'm the lion of the tribe of Ashanti region. How can I cook for a woman? How can I cook for a woman? Why are you like this? No. Cheering up his wife. Cheering up his wife. Not his girlfriend. Yes, Papa. <laughs> yes, Papa. <laughs> Somebody might be thinking, okay, I need to go and start rehearsing. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's me for Jaisa. And you'll be cooking, cooking, cooking for, them, for, for your girlfriend. <laughs> See, you're not smart. <laughs> and when it's your wife, make her happy. Make her happy. Don't turn her into a slave. Every day she's cooking, in the morning, the afternoon, the evening. Except maybe she enjoys cooking. But if she's tired or something, say, oh, Hold it, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Hold up. Today, I prepared jollof. But don't make, <laughs> don't make the whole house enter into, mm. everybody's now, the whole house, including all the children, everybody's permanently staying. <laughs> you don't know, no. But if you also think you don't know how to cook at all, don't cause problems. Find another way to make her happy. Some men are very good at making their wives laugh. <laughs> yeah. Cracking jokes. Making funny comments, you know. It, it, it would be nice. But if we pull everything into, wife, submit, wife, submit, what's that? Meanwhile, the, the instructions are two. What do you think? Yeah. You see this one? I didn't write it. He said, a newly married man must not be drafted into the army. I mean, when they are going for war, he shouldn't go. That explains why some men were marrying a lot. <laughs> so the more they marry, the more wars they, they skip. So you see, you have to understand all the tactics. So Solomon like this, he never, he was not going for war. Are, are you getting it? He was not going for war. He was very smart king. He knew that his father has been fighting, fighting, fighting. When it was time for his father to build, and he was fighting for God. When it was time for his father to build the temple, God said, your hands are stained with blood. But the guy was fighting for God. He said, so you cannot build the temple. He said, but your son will build it. So the son too wants to build. So he said, he is not going to fight. But he has another way of fighting. Two ways. One, all the kings who were threats to him, he married their daughters. So now it's his family member. <laughs> you, cannot, you, can, you cannot fight your son-in-law. <laughs> Very smart man. <laughs> yeah, more wives, marrying the kings. It was not just marrying anybody. It was going for the king's daughters, marrying them. All right, so let's come back to what I was saying. So consent for the city, go back to what Jeremiah said. He said, take your wives, take wives for your sons. All right? And beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to, ma to husbands. <laughs> now, that, that, that explains how marriage is done, all right? Take wives for your sons, 
All right? And the second part, which is very important, give daughters to your husband. So that means that the family must give the daughter. The daughter cannot stand up and go and stay in a guy's house. <laughs> what? Eh? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right? Because a woman will carry themselves and then say, no, you must be giving. So a guy who takes a girl to come and stay with him when he has not mind her, that guy is a thief. Yes. All right? That guy is a thief. And the woman who has left her house, her father's house, to go to live with a guy is a rebel. So it's a thief and a rebel. <laughs> All right. That they, that they bear sons and daughters that he may be increased there and not diminished. Verse 7. That's the point. And seek the peace of the city Whither I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof shall you have peace. <laughs> Some people, when you say, let us pray for our future, and let us pray. It's a story. A pastor was leading prayer. He said, let's pray for Ghana. Let's pray for Ghana. They were praying. They were praying. But you know, that day that prayer was very low. Let's pray for Ghana. Pray, pray for Ghana. When the, when the pastor saw, he was telling them, pray, pray, pray. We're still, and the pastor said, okay, I know what to do. He said, hold on, hold on, hold on. I see a lion, and that lion wants to chew your destiny. We are going to pray against any lion that has been taking our destiny. Begin to pray, everybody. Hey, hey, lion, lion, lion. The selfishness. What we don't know is that it still goes against us. He said, pray for the city. He said, first of all, seek the peace of the city whether I've caused you to be carried away. So it's like you, have, you find yourself in Accra. He says, seek the peace of Accra. Then he says what? And pray unto the Lord for it. Pray to God for Accra. Why? He said, for in the peace thereof shall you have peace. When there's peace in Accra, we have peace. When there's prosperity in Accra, we have prosperity. So sometimes when we say, let us pray for, for politicians, let's pray for government, you see people's prayer is low. Rather, it should be high. Because in the policies they make is where your money is coming from. Now imagine you're a student and there's a policy that from today, imagine you're a student and there's a policy that from today, all university students are entitled to 1,500 Ghana City every month. No fate. Think about it. You go to places like Germany, Amsterdam, 21 years, 22 years, they are married. Why? Because the state is even paying them for being citizens already. So someone like that wants to marry, he doesn't have to think much. No faith, no prayer, no fasting, nothing. I want to say I want to marry. He already has something to start with. Even if he doesn't have anything at all, he knows that the state is going to pay him something. So there are some, some, some leverages so those kind of people will have and some advantages that comes into their natural destiny and gives them an, an advantage. But if you are born in a place like this place, <laughs> once you are born, you're already owing. <laughs> you, you are born into debt. It's like that you have been born here is already minus six or something. As you come out like this, there's news on the radio that the government has gone to borrow again. And it's you, you're, you're apart. You will pay some. <laughs> Budget. You're already owing as you come. It's already minus. Like one guy was, was saying on, on, on social media the last time. He said, how is it that I'm just alive? And just because I'm alive, money is going. Just because you're alive, money is going. So seek the peace of the city. 
So it's a concern for the city. The, 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 the economic situation of Ghana should move us to pray. To pray for governments. And let me tell you something about, about uh, politics and politicians. You know, sometimes it's good to criticize them, bash them and everything. But what you don't know is that most of them didn't get there with the mentality that they're going to steal money. Because even you, you don't know how wicked you are until you have money. You can be wicked, though. I mean, the 17-year-old beautiful boy called David didn't know that he can murder somebody and take his wife. I mean, the Bible called him a beautiful boy. He was a, such a handsome young man that even the day he wanted to fight Goliath, Saul said, no, 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 you're too, you're too nice. You cannot fight, you cannot fight. Such a darling boy who has gone through a lot to become king. When he became king, power and money will reveal your true nature. You know what the heart is? The Bible calls the heart of man desperately wicked. The heart of man is desperately wicked. They are th- you know, one thing about the heart is that the heart, your heart can deceive everybody and even deceive you. Even you, you'll be deceived by your own heart. Yes. Abu talks about the men in, in Genesis chapter 6. Abu says that God repented that he had made man because the imaginations of his heart was continually evil, inventing new sins. Desperately wicked. So sometimes you can look at yourself. Me, I'm very humble. Me, I don't insult anybody. Me, I'm a very, I, I cannot kill anybody. Amen. I cannot, ah, no. If, if all your good, your, your being good is out of morality and not the word of God, never trust yourself. What will reveal it has just not come. So sometimes these politicians, they get in there because they genuinely want to help the people. When they get in there, money, pressure, deep states, different things now come into the scene. And by the time they realize two years has gone, the next two years, ah, let me secure myself and my family. Before they got there, they were in contact with the people, so they knew the hardships. When they get there, leadership can make you lose connect to the people. So you don't even understand, because now you don't get to be in traffic. You have a motorcade, so you don't even understand the traffic again. You don't understand the people anymore. So you, you begin to talk from where you are sitting and not where the people are. You are talking about flood. Where they are living, where to flood. You are being flooded. Many years ago, where, where my parents used to say, flood will come there. You know, so I had to consciously tell myself, no, you need to pray for these people. Many years ago, when my parents would be staying, don't flood. So when it starts raining like that, everybody's looking at it. Nobody can sleep. Everybody will come and look outside. What level has the rain got to? And then when it's getting to June, the June, the June rains. Everybody will come and look outside. Hey, look outside. Then it's coming. It's coming. If it doesn't get there, then everybody's, ah. But sometimes we just keep coming and keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. We have to build a wall when we are entering uh, a, a little, not a wall, like a little thing in front of the door. So that when the, when the flood is coming, it can stop somewhere. If it overflows, that it gets in there, destroy papers, destroy things. So during those times, if they tell you, pray for all those who have been flooded, you will be praying. As I started leaving that place, I went to start staying at places that when the flood is coming, you just take a blanket and just cover yourself. Now, when they show you flood in Accra, ah, people are suffering. Oh. <laughs> Pray. Are you listening to me? Pray for the city that you find yourself. I'll end with this scripture and we'll pray for Ghana. You get it? I know scripture, we'll pray for Ghana. First Moon chapter 2, verse 8. Can we read it together? I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere. Are you seeing? Lifting up holy hands. When you're praying this kind of prayers, one of the ways to pray it is to lift up holy hands. He says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. Now, let's go from verse 1. What kind of prayer is he talking about? Let's go to verse 1. I exhort therefore that first of all, 
You see, first of all, that means this is the first kind of prayer he wants you to pray. Consent for the city. This is the first kind of prayer. When you start praying, don't start praying. When you start praying, don't just start, of, uh, first of all, praying about, oh, I don't have this, and I don't have that, and God give me this. He said, when we pray, when we meet to pray, he said, first of all, the first kind of prayer, he said, there should be supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for who? All men. Verse 2, for kings. Now, we don't have kings, we have presidents. For kings and for all that are in authority. What will happen when we do that? He said that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. You see, when you are in a city where, where the authorities are not prayed for and they are crooks, you cannot even be honest. You cannot even be honest. You have to do business and you have to find out a way to do some, you know, kululu somewhere. Every time you are trying to do something, the situation is not even helping you to be honest. So he says, when we pray, he said we should pray for kings, that's presidents, and for all that authority, ministers, DCEs, People sitting in high places. He said, when we pray for them, something will happen. We will lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for Ghana. We're going to pray for presidents and all those who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life. I've mentioned to you already, I said, don't joke with these kind of prayers because they are, they are directly connected to your destiny. Because what happens in a nation has a direct effect on you. You see, if we refuse to pray about the economy, we refuse to pray about, you know, we refuse to pray about all these things, when the dollar rises, it affects all of us. See, we pray, we pray, we pray. What's the government supposed to do? The government is not supposed to make anybody rich. The government is supposed to provide an enabling environment for all of us to be able to prosecute everything that we are doing smoothly. An enabling environment. The people come and talk to you about entrepreneurship, but sometimes the environment is not even conducive for that. You know, every time they're having seminars on entrepreneurship. So there must be an added advantage for the child of God because if we depend on just the environment created in Ghana it does not even foster that when you go to school entrepreneurship is not is not captured it's not one business seminar that will make you an entrepreneur you see and the educational system trains the people to be administrators and not producers so everybody is coming out looking for a job to write something write what there's no nothing to be written you are but you are being trained to write you see, when you when you rather go to a technical school, they rather see you as a lesser person. Meanwhile, what we need now is more producers and administrators. No, we have to pray. When we pray, we can make changes. Are you listening? When we pray, we can make changes. So we're going to pray for God. We're going to pray for all those in government. We're going to pray for all those in authority. He says, seek the peace. Seek the peace of that city in which you are going. He said, for in their peace, you will have peace.